0: You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs.
1: Hello podcast listeners, this is Tim from The Good GP. Today's episode is called Hacks for New Registrars, and we'll talk about how to make life easier as you adjust into your GP term. Today's guest is Dr Ines Chester. She's recently won the WA Registrar of the Year Award and the award for the highest mark in the 2019.2 OSCE exam. We'll talk to Innes about some of the key questions for GP registrars, including how to manage worry as a new GP, what are the best learning resources for GP registrars, how to best prepare for the exam, and what can supervisors do to support GP registrars better. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is for the new registrars out there, and our guest is Dr. Innes Chester. Innes, welcome.
0: Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Now, Innes, you're a registrar who's awaiting fellowship. You've you've completed your training, and you've you've uh, recently passed your exam. Congratulations.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Um, tell us a bit about your journey into general practice training, and you know what's happened along the way.
0: So I guess I had a bit of a winding path into GP training. Initially, I um, trained um, and worked as a veterinarian um, before deciding to go back and do medicine. And I think I always thought I'd be a specialist when I first started medicine, but um, my biggest issue was sort of narrowing down my interests. And I also found in the hospital, I didn't like the fact that we couldn't follow up patients. So in my RMO years, I sort of naturally gravitated towards GP and I've been really happy with that decision ever since.
1: Fantastic. And, you know, you, you continued to work as a vet during your, your training, so really right up until recently actually. So it's been, you've been, you know, incredibly busy over that time. You've squeezed a heck of a lot into that sort of training journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the beauty of GP, isn't it? You can really do what you want with it. And um, having that balance of, I was working as a vet and surgical assisting as well, um, and GP allowed me to do that, which um, really you know, is fantastic. It allows me to do everything I really enjoy while not feeling like I'm sort of not doing GP well. It's really great.
1: Yeah, so let's think about these new trainees that have just started in general practice. We're in, in January now. Um, there'd be a lot of GP registrars who are sort of feeling uncomfortable as they sort of start in their terms. Yeah. What do you think is the hard, thing you found hardest when you started in general practice as a registrar and what sort of helped you along the way?
0: I think the thing I found hardest, um, especially initially, was kind of moving away from that hospital structure of making decisions as a team um, and actually just realising that in a single consult you might be making multiple decisions on your own under time pressure which you also didn't really have at the hospital while navigating a new practice new colleagues new computer system new referral pathways often i didn't even know who to refer to actually so all of that was quite an adjustment actually initially i think the way um, i sort of worked through that was um, something that you taught me was firstly listen to the patient kind of work out exactly why they've come in and maybe break it down to a problem list. Prioritise that problem list and be comfortable with um, getting them to come back for another consult if you feel like you've got too many issues to address in a single consult. That was probably the the single most useful thing for me because patients don't actually mind that. I think when I first left, I was so worried that they would think I failed in their consult if I didn't... Sort of address their ten ten issues. Um, I would get myself in a tears, and then I'd be running behind, and then I'd be more and more stressed. So that was really really good tip. The other thing was getting to getting a feel of how to sort of use your supervisor well, or asking questions in a good manner. So rather than sort of saying you know joe blogs comes in and she's got all of these issues actually breaking it down to what is the question you want to ask and that's something you always were saying to me what is the question you want me to answer for you um because one of the time pressured things i really found was i might have a question for you as my supervisor but i would feel like oh gosh i'm already running behind and you know you're on a time pressure as well and and i never really you know until i got how to ask that single question to you i really found it quite difficult to kind of squeeze that into a consult
1: yeah they're really interesting tips and and i think very helpful um i think a lot of GP registrars sort of struggle with, with just the complexity of what they're dealing with and having that bit of focus on, on what they don't sort of can't resolve is probably a really important thing and, and yeah. really helpful. Uh, and it just becomes a bit overwhelming, I think, as a, as a basic registrar, particularly when you're no one's familiar as a patient, so it's, you really feel a bit out of your depth right from the start.
0: Definitely. And that just gets better and better as you start to get to know your patients. It's amazing how you know a few months in you'll feel completely different um so even if you're struggling over the first sort of couple of weeks just take things slow try not to increase your patient numbers too quickly and i promise you it will get better and things will get easier
1: yeah so I, you know i've done my registrar's induction yesterday actually and I you see a look of fright in their <laughs> eyes they go and start to see patients and they really like they worry about what's coming in next you know that you can see them fretting over you know what could be coming in and you know will they be able to answer it so everyone experiences that worry what sort of things did you find you worried about and how did you cope with that as a basic registrar?
0: Yeah I think you hit the nail on the head I was terrified of having no idea what I was doing and kind of missing something major and ending up in the papers or something like that. Worst case scenario, you know, especially kids, sick kids, sort yeah. of frightened me a bit. So the the biggest thing was actually taking a step back, rather than being like, oh gosh, they've come in with you know a sore tummy. What are the what are the things that could be going wrong? Actually stopping, listening to what they're saying, taking a breath, because you actually do know more than you think, and I think that becomes more and more obvious as time goes by. The other thing is sort of dealing with uncertainty. I think in the hospital system, you know, by the time someone leaves the hospital, you've got a pretty good handle of exactly what's going on with them, but that might not be possible in a single GP consult and not feeling like you've sort of failed a patient if they haven't walked out the door with investigations, management plan and treatment all in place. Being able to sort of say to them, look, at the moment, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. You know, things might become clear in the next few days let's maybe do these investigations if that's appropriate and let's you know bring you back in a couple of days and see how things are going so that was helpful sort of you know realizing that they can come back the second thing was um, you know safety netting and getting really slick with safety netting so I think the easiest thing is when you've got a little spiel that you don't need to think too much about it makes your consult a lot easier and a lot less mentally taxing so for example, fever in a child, you know, being able to roll out, if this, this and this happens, you need to come back in. Also with sort of those those consults that you're a little bit concerned about when they walk out the door, knowing that you can you can give them a call, you can use your practice nurse to give them a call, and again you can say you know if you're concerned i'll squeeze you in later on that day and it does provide you with a lot more sort of reassurance and you know you're not constantly worrying about that person i think that was also helpful and i guess the final thing um, for me was realizing that you can use specialists so i often call registrars in the hospital system and specialists and whereas when you are the intern and RMO, they might have been pretty clicked and snappy with you. They are delightful when you're a GP and that has been really helpful. So if you're not sure how to manage someone and, and maybe you think they might need to go to hospital or you know a specialist would be you know most useful in answering your question rather than your supervisor, actually giving them a call um, is a really good idea and provides you with a lot of reassurance as well
1: yeah they're they're fantastic tips yeah i I guess the other aspect of worry is you know managing yourself and and making sure that you're looking after yourself you know sort of life balance sense and doing the things that help cope with you know a stressful phase because being a basic registrar is i I think it's quite high on the life stress sort of levels
0: yeah definitely i think you know you do really need to look after yourself it's easy to sort of you know just get so bogged down in work and stress um, that you forget the basic things like exercising spending time with friends away from you know from medicine you know just doing the things that you enjoy um, and keeping those up during that time if you can is really helpful i found the mini releases really good for that sort of just to download your stress and talking to people in sort of the same boat as you was really helpful and then getting to my favorite topic my study group Mm. um, they were the best so we have a whatsapp group and often you know if you're thinking about a patient or how you manage them you know maybe just putting that on the whatsapp group obviously it's de-identified you know i had a patient that came in with a sore tummy i managed it this way what do you guys think it's a great way to learn um, but it's also really good just to have that kind of camaraderie and kind of that support and You know we're on the whatsapp every day you know maybe someone's having a bad day and it's like oh having a bit of a bad day had a tough patient you know just providing that support for each other has been so invaluable
1: yeah i think that connectedness is really important to managing sort of worry and that that bit of support is just you know ever so helpful isn't it
0: yeah definitely and i think that also um is worth thinking about when you choose a gp practice actually you know Having a look at the culture of the GP practice, you know, maybe talking to a few people um, that are there currently or that have been registrars there is really helpful because, you know, often it's in the tea room where you might have a chat to people. If you feel comfortable with your colleagues, it makes a huge difference. A, being able to speak to them if your supervisor isn't there, but B, just actually talking to them about life and, you know, realizing there's more to just GP, you know, people it's it's great to sort of meet new friends and, and really expand your sort of, you know, social circles in work as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what about for the supervisors out there? I'm a supervisor who's starting with another basic registrar this week. <laughs> Um, what's your advice for supervisors who are taking on new basic registrars?
0: The biggest thing is be approachable. I remember when I, my first day, you and um, my your co-supervisor Derek both gave me your personal mobile numbers and said to me, if you're ever stewing or worrying about a patient, even if it's you know midnight, just call me. And that, I think, was the single most lovely thing that anyone's done for me in that beginning time. Because... I think I've only ever really used it once but just knowing I had that backup was really really helpful so kind of being approachable being available listening in a non-judgmental way I think when we leave the hospital you're so paranoid that someone's sort of going to pull you up you know like on a ward round you forgot that Mavis has hypertension and you sort of pulled up you know well what what's her other comorbidity you know it GPs not really like that and Making that kind of supervisor, you know, trainee role as sort of easy and as non-judgmental and as pleasant as possible is really really good. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. Dedicated teaching is really good. I was very lucky with that having an hour a week and I don't know if everyone's able to do that but That was a really good time for me to kind of store up those non-acute issues and go through those um, with you, which was really helpful because it was incredibly helpful as far as my learning goes. And I think being comfortable with patients moving on with that particular condition was really, really good because they were sort of things that I wouldn't necessarily need to ask you at the time, but sort of had further questions about it. So that was really, really helpful. And sort of not pushing your registrars to increase their numbers too much, um, too quickly. And maybe sometimes pulling them back if you, know, you see that they might be struggling. And giving them tips about you know, time management is good because I think as an experienced GP, that's one of the biggest things that registrars can learn um, from you because it is a real skill that you just don't learn in the hospital.
1: Mm. Yeah, just to pull back on one of the things you mentioned, actually, mm. one of the very good tips, which is really a well, well-trodden path, is actually just keeping a logbook of, of where you find your problems and talking through that with your supervisor. I think that's, that really gives you that focus to hone in from the, the clinical problems, go back all the way to the theory of, of what your questioning is and, and what your knowledge sort of requirement is.
0: That's so true. And it also gives you a chance to kind of look at things before you speak to your supervisor because I think, you know, the more you do your own learning, um, really, the, the, the better it is. Um, so um, I think that's really, really helpful doing a logbook. Just of things, you know, even if it's just a couple of words of what you found challenging or what you need to look up.
1: Yeah. What learning resources did you find really helped you? And, and I guess perhaps even more importantly, what didn't help as, as learning resources? Because, you know, lots of people use lots of different resources out there in, in the education journey.
0: Yeah. So this isn't necessarily a resource. Well, I guess it is sort of. But... Um, doing a study timetable would be the single biggest thing I would tell people because it's so easy to get bogged down in something and suddenly realise you've spent four weeks on something that's actually a really small amount, small thing in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So trying to stick to that um, in your study group. Um, We started off doing checks and I found that they were just far too detailed, but Mm. the questions in the back of the checks are really good. The RACGP articles on whatever you're looking up are really fantastic. ETG is quite good for sort of just, you know, a couple of points on managing common conditions your kiss articles are really good they're very simple but they're um, really easy to read the rch and pch websites are really good for kid issues and i definitely recommend that
1: that's the the royal children's hospital and the perth Perth children's Children's hospital yeah
0: that's right health pathways as well they've got really good flow diagrams of you know you come in with an issue these are the investigations you need to do and these are the management really easy to follow and that's great for practice as well questions are really good as well to kind of go through because you can just do a few questions a night and feel like you're at least doing them so BMJ online yeah kfp online and modmet were two things that us as a study group actually got a subscription for altogether, and we just go through them at the end of a study group session some of the answers are a little bit questionable so i think if you can kind of you know talk about the 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 answers with some people is probably good rather than sort of taking them as gospel sometimes for your oskies all I well, the biggest thing that I'd recommend is doing your clinical cases book. So that's your Susan Wern and your GPRA, there's multiple. Um, additions to that and they're all sort of a little bit different so definitely i'm doing those and the other thing that um one of the girls in my study group found really helpful was the gp academy courses i haven't done that myself but she found that really helpful so that's another thing i guess to consider it is quite pricey though but that's something to to think about as far as what wasn't helpful, yeah, getting too bogged down in checks was a big thing. Really good, and if you've got time, fantastic, but um, you do need to cover a lot of material. And I also didn't find Murtagh super helpful either, to be honest. It sort of ended up a bit of a paperweight for me, but some people really like it as well. So see how you feel about that one.
1: Great. You formed a study group really early on in your training, and you've, you've mentioned why that was that was a, a big thing for you. Yeah. Um, Talk us through sort of how that how you came to form a study group and the things that you gained from it.
0: Yeah, so we um, decided to do a study group from our mini release group. Um, so a few of us, we, we knew each other already beforehand, but didn't know each other well. So it was a great way to kind of build that camaraderie. there have been, as I said, an enormous support for me all during this process I think with a study group you all learn different things and I think that's where it's really helpful to sort of meet once a week or once a fortnight and just talk about what you've learnt um, from a particular topic you're studying because I think when you're explaining something to someone else is when you really realise if you understand it or you don't. So I think that's where it's been really helpful. Keeping each other motivated because, you know, most people say you should start studying about six months before your exam and that's a long time, especially when you're tired from, you know, long days at work, got family, you know, pressures, all of that and your your motivation tends to wax and wane. So I think that's where a study group's really good. And, you know, as I said, actually talking through um, the OSCEs, um, the OSCE stations from those clinical cases books, I don't actually think you can do any better preparation for that exam other than just working as a GP, which really is like an OSCE in itself. Um, But yeah, that would be my main reasons for joining a study group and i'd say to everyone out there definitely try at least try a study group
1: yes it's for all those basic registrars out there you know perhaps just reach out when you're in your collective education and see if if other people are interested in forming a group really early on um so that you know you can have that support not just for the exam but actually throughout the whole learning journey
0: absolutely yeah
1: yeah. Well, let's think about, you know, you've talked a little bit about the exam. And look, it's, you'd probably be embarrassed, but you're a very accomplished exam student. You finished top of the state in the exam. So congratulations on that, <laughs> Innes. Well, thanks, Tim. I'm still
0: very surprised about that.
1: <laughs> so you're a good person to ask. What's your advice on preparing for the exam? You mentioned it, it's a long process and you really want a, a sort of good lead time in. And, and, and then the sitting of the exam, what, what's your advice on, on those two sort of aspects?
0: Yeah, so start early. As far as, you know, sort of motivation goes, um, just looking after yourself. So taking time out, trying not to, you know, sort of get too bogged down in, gosh, I had a terrible day and I haven't studied. Even if you can do a couple of questions, you know, you'll feel better. Um, So if you can do a little bit each day or a little bit every few days, um, you know, and work that into maybe in between patients or something like that, that's really good going to the wag pet run um, exam workshop, th- uh, workshop. Yeah, yeah that's the word workshop early is a really big tip because it shows you how to answer the questions the AKT and KFP and I think that kind of colors your whole the whole way you then study for it because it's a technique so i'd say do that even maybe before you start studying that was a tip that a friend of mine gave me before i started studying and i'm so glad i did because i think if you did it just before the exam, you'd suddenly think, oh my goodness, I haven't sort of studied in that way. Because you know, once you've gone, you'll understand it is a technique that you learn. Study timetable, um, as I said before, is really important and trying to stick with it. And I hate, this is a bit of a funny word because I know you're always reflecting (laughs) through WAGPET, but reflecting on consults that go badly and sort of going, why did that go badly? In the OSCE, well, it's not necessarily all about the OSCE, but the more you do reflect on concepts that go badly, the better you will go in the OSCE. Because if you can reflect on maybe why things went over time or why you didn't, or you weren't maybe as clear as you'd like to be, the, the, the better you get with those skills, the better you'll be in that OSCE.
1: Hmm. Yeah, look, they're, they're three really different exams as well. That's the other thing. And they sort of require different techniques and sort of different thought processes, don't they?
0: They do, they
1: do, yeah. I think people really struggle a lot with the, the KFP in particular. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, there's a real technique sort of process for answering KFP questions. So becoming familiar really early with how KFPs work is probably really, really helpful. And also, I, I think AKTs work a little bit differently and, and thinking around your technique for AKTs, which is, in, in effect, largely a multi-choice type exam
0: yeah i think the big thing with the kfp is you might know the content but if you don't put it down in the way they want you won't get the marks and that's where we became towards the end and i wish we'd done this earlier we became really strict in our study group when we were answering um, practice kfp questions we would have to answer in the format that they'd want and that's where we'd all reflect and be like how could we have written that or said that in a different way to get more marks because while doing exams isn't all about the mark you get, it's amazing how wording things in a slightly different manner can go from you getting one point to five points in a station where your knowledge might be exactly the same so it really is a technique that you just need to practice Mm,
1: yeah so that they're great tips for preparing for the exam Um, and of course just you know i think you've nailed it in terms of being organized and trying to sort of imagine your life's really busy as a registrar preparing for the exam because you're still working you know effectively full-time and you have to sort of slot in your study on on top of that so you you really got to be very organised to sort of maintain that, plus all the other things going on in your life.
0: Definitely, yeah, it's definitely a new experience studying um, studying for registrar exams.
1: Yeah. Finally, what's, what is perhaps the best or most valuable lesson that you learnt in GP training as you sort of reflect back on, on the journey?
0: My biggest thing is don't panic and listen to your patients. So they'll tell you what they want from a consult And really getting in tune with what that is will make you a successful and well-liked GP. Because I think one of the biggest things that people want is a good listener. I asked my study group this on the weekend and the thing that all of them said is choose your first GP practice wisely. So, you know, your first GP practice can really make or break your success and can really put you on a great path to really, really enjoy your new career. So, you know, talking with people that have been there before and, and you know, talking with other people in the practice is really, really useful. So those would be my, my tips.
1: Fantastic, Ines. Thank you so much for talking to us. And we should wish our very best to all the GP registrars out there who are starting and in their journey, and also to the supervisors out there with with a new term commencing.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, and good luck to everyone.